You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of the Dr. Tina Show, I'm going to be sharing with you why I think orthopedic medicine is a scam, part two. In part one, if you go back and listen, I talked all about how the general consensus around how orthopedic medicine is done in this country, I think is a scam. And this comes after decades in the space. No, I am not an orthopedic surgeon. I am a chiropractor and I am a naturopathic physician who specialized in regenerative medicine injections for well over a decade. And I spent over two decades with my mentor who specialized in them. I have seen all kinds of things come through my office doors and through my mentor's doors that were orthopedic based and I treated them successfully or I referred them on. But either way, go back and listen to that episode. I dive deep into what the standard of care is, how most things are handled, how I handle it differently, why I don't love how things are handled and so much more. So go back and listen to that episode. You can check it out on my podcast or any podcast player for that matter. And on this episode, I'm going to share with you all about orthopedic regenerative medicine. What is that? That is, you've probably heard of stem cells. There are also other options out there like prolotherapy, platelet-rich plasma injections. There's exosomes. There's all kinds of injections where we can inject natural substances or naturally occurring substances into the joint to regenerate it. We can also inject the soft tissues around the joint. I talked all about the soft tissues last episode. Go check that out for sure. This episode won't make as much sense if you don't have that under your belt, but I'm going to do my best. So on this episode, I'm going to talk about prolotherapy, platelet-rich plasma. I'm going to refer to it as PRP for short and stem cells. I know these are hot right now. I know a lot of people are wanting to get them. Uh, I know a lot of people are being sold them. I also know that a lot of people are getting scammed, and I want to clarify my stance on all of this. All right, so the standard of care, just to recoup really quick, is basically you get hurt, the doctor tells you to ice it, they tell you to elevate it, they tell you to take non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications like ibuprofen, which actually inhibits healing, and so does ice, and they send you on your way, and it heals subpar, and generally people have pretty crappy diets to go along with that. And so it's not great. And then they end up going to the doctor again and the doctor says, yeah, let's give you a cortisone injection. And that actually makes things worse because it causes the joint to decompensate further, meaning it causes it to have more ligamentous laxity. It causes it to melt, to be honest with you. Cortisone melts tissues. That's what it does. That's the standard of care. And if you're so lucky that you get Physical therapy, awesome. Although a lot of physical therapists actually, I think this is changing, but a lot of them when I was in practice were just doing really passive care modalities for patients and not really getting them active. And now I think that's shifting to a much more active care model where you get the patient active, you get them moving, you get their you know, joints moving around, you get them rehabbing, all the things, all the things they really need. If you're lucky, if you push for it. I, I have found doctors don't give that one up easily. It's usually requires a referral for your insurance to cover anything. Often the PT will ask for a referral, so they want a referral. And that's just how that model works. And so I think there are some phenomenal physical therapists. And I think finding one is a a really great thing to try to look for. I think you can't go wrong with good physical therapy. A good chiropractor who specializes in rehab is also going to be able to rehabilitate you quite well. So find one of those if you've been injured, period, regardless of what route you go, whether it's injection, surgery, or regenerative injections. 
find somebody that can help you get moving again in the right direction. The root cause of most orthopedic issues, especially if they're chronic and longstanding, is truly deconditioning. I realize that there's probably been some trauma on the joint prior. So, you know, we bung it up when we're a teenager, we're playing college sports or whatever, high school, and then it comes back to haunt us in our 50s. But generally by then, most people are fairly deconditioned, and so they don't have a lot of muscle around the joint. They don't have a lot of good stabilization around the joint, and the ligaments have started to stretch out and become more lax. Just like a rubber band, if you pull it at taut length for too long, it'll start to disintegrate. Coupled with poor metabolic health, which you guys know, I've talked about this, I'll just repeat it for those who are new, about 100% of U.S. adults have busted metabolic health to some degree. That's pre-diabetes for those of you who want the, you know, the quick and dirty on it. It's pre-diabetes or diabetes. So most US adults are walking around with pre-diabetes or diabetes and osteoarthritis, that wear and tear of the joint really is far more, uh, we can contribute that far more to metabolic dysfunction than we can contribute it to wear and tear. Running isn't going to destroy your knees. Running while eating a really crappy diet that's nutrient void while your blood sugars are going all over is probably going to destroy your joints, right? When people say, oh, all my discs and my back herniated, I didn't even do anything. I'm like, are you smoking? Are you drinking soda all the time? Are you eating crappy food? Because that's probably what caused that ligamentous and soft tissue structural damage to be allowed, if you will. Things don't hold together well when the building blocks aren't there to hold them together. And so I see this a lot, or I saw this a lot in practice with folks who just had poor diets and maybe they were making changes. Maybe they really wanted to get better and they were coming around and they were doing their best, but all of those decades of damage had already been done and those tissues were already compromised. Another thing that will cause a lot of soft tissue damage is hormonal disruption. I talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but having low thyroid will definitely contribute to joint and soft tissue wear and tear, um, low estrogen makes you less stretchy, low progesterone will make your estrogen work less well, low testosterone definitely will keep you from going into an anabolic healing state. And so all of those are considerations as well. But most of the time people are deconditioned and they have been eating poorly and they're not moving and they're not, they're just not doing the things to keep their metabolic health in check in general. That's most of America. At the point where the ligament and tendon meet bone is called the enthesis. And that enthesis is really highly innervated and it can be quite painful. And so little micro traumas or tears there will definitely cause pain. And often we go in and we get an x-ray. I talked about the differences between imaging on the last episode, but quickly x-rays are the first line standard imaging that a doctor will do. And that's just to see bone. So it'll tell you if you've got a fracture, which we're not really suspect of if you've got chronic knee pain, but we're probably more interested if you have more of that bone on bone. You've heard that, you know, oh, I have bone on bone. Welcome to the club. So do a lot of people after the age of 45 to 50, right? It doesn't necessarily mean they have pain. It just means they've got joint space narrowing and you're going to find joint space narrowing in the hips and you can find it in the shoulders. And they say, oh my goodness, your cartilage is gone. You need surgery. So when you walk into an orthopedic doctor's office, you need to understand they have a few hammers. That first hammer is cortisone injections. That second hammer is going to be, and this is not necessarily in order, those first two. The second one's going to be obviously medications over the counter and prescription to manage the pain and discomfort. And then the third is going to be a hammer 
or a chisel or a drill, meaning surgery. And that's okay. Those are their tools. That's what they're taught to do. They're not all like that, but that's what that episode was about. So go back and listen to that. Now on to regenerative injection therapies. These are all considered experimental. So if your doctor is billing your insurance for any of the things I'm about to mention, the chances are high and very likely that they're committing insurance fraud. Now that's not every single case, full disclaimer. I know that sometimes I've seen doctors kind of finagle, but I'm wondering if they're finagling and not really telling the truth because the minute you list out what's in that injection, if it has dextrose in it, which is really the premise of prolotherapy, it's sugar water, and I'm gonna explain how it works in a minute, they're committing insurance fraud. If they're doing platelet-rich plasma and it's not for, there's probably like two or three conditions that it's been indicated for, they're probably committing insurance fraud. So a lot of you would come to my practice and say, I'm not in practice anymore, by the way. I don't, I don't see patients doing this anymore. I did it for a long, long time. I specialized in regenerative injection therapies. I probably should have started with that. That was my bread and butter. That is what I did. That is what I'm really good at. I'm really good with a needle. I'm really good with helping people get their joints back with non-surgical, uh, non-drug interventions. And that's what I did. That's what I pride myself in. And I was damn good at it. I was damn good at it in my community. I was damn good at it across the board. And I took really great care of making sure that my patients got better fast. And if they weren't getting better fast, I was missing the boat. I was missing the pain generator. I was missing the diagnosis. Or sometimes they just wanted to try and I would tell them straight up from the beginning, I don't think this is going to go very far. And they would say, well, I want to try because I don't want surgery. So that's what I did for a living in a nutshell. And I worked on their metabolic health with them because that is the root cause of all of this. <laughs> it sucks, but it is what it is. And we can't go back and change that. You know, Maybe we're sugar addicts for the first 30 years of our lives or most of, or we, maybe some people still are, um, but it's definitely gonna have a gnarly impact on your joints at the end of the day, whether you like it or not. And people don't put two and two together and they say, oh, it's wear and tear. That's bullshit. It's not wear and tear. It's your sugar addiction and your soda pop addiction and your ultra refined carbohydrate addiction and all of those things. And they will... I'm so sorry to say this, they will come back and bite you in the ass whether you like it or not. You could have a good 10-year run of super clean health like I did and lo and behold, it comes back to bite you in the ass. So uh, we all will pay the piper at some point for our poor choices. It's just a matter of when and then how can we mitigate it? And so this is where regenerative injections, I think, really shine. Prolotherapy is the most simple and most affordable. These are all cash procedures. These are payment at time of service. Like I said, if, peop if your doctors are billing for them, it's insurance fraud straight up. So Prolotherapy is sugar water. It's dextrose. We put sugar water into a syringe at different concentrations and you wouldn't believe it, but it works phenomenally, especially in the hands of a good injector. This is far more about the technique than it is what's in the syringe. So as you follow along with the rest of this narrative, understand that what's the person holding the syringe and doing the work is far more important than what's in the syringe. Any monkey can shoot juice into a joint under ultrasound. That's not hard. The technique is really, are they excellent with palpation? Are they excellent with their musculoskeletal diagnostic skills? Are they excellent with their hands? And I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say most of the regenerative injection doctors that I've come across don't fit that. A lot of them are getting into it because it's big money now, it's cash. And they're like, oh, I can charge cash. So I see emergency medicine doctors with absolutely no hand skills getting into it. I see neurologists getting into it. They have pretty sweet. Uh, diagnostic skills around neurology. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I've seen plastic surgeons get into it and have a whole wing of their practice. So it's, I see a lot of doctors that don't have 
competent orthopedic skills, orthopedic diagnostic skills, good hand skills, good palpation skills. You know, being able to see something under ultrasound is one thing, but being able to put your hands on it and find the pain generator with your hands, far more powerful. Because if I can locate it, if I can recreate the pain, I can inject it and I can tell the patient that there's a, they're probably going to have a significant amount of success, at least for a time, if I can actually find that pain generator with my thumb and then with my needle. That said, prolotherapy, sugar water solution, how does it work? It causes an osmotic draw of inflammatory markers into the region. So it basically kicks up the inflammatory response for the joint or the ligaments or the tendons. Ligaments and tendons notoriously have a poor blood supply, and so they don't heal well. They don't have a good vascular bed. They don't have enough oxygen getting there. They don't have enough nutrient exchange happening to really heal. So that can get a bit messy for people. And if you've ever had a sprained ankle that just wouldn't quit and it nagged at you forever, now you know why. (laughs) That's how it goes. sucks, but all ligaments and tendons have pretty poor blood supplies. And so, and they're truly, in my opinion, ligamentous laxity and ligamentous and thesis issues, tenderness, ligamentous, and thesis issues are really what's causing people so much pain. I've seen so many people get cortisone injected into their joint and it did nothing. But then we go back with some 5% sugar water, really low dose dextrose concentration. And I hit all the ligaments and tendons surrounding the joint that are painful to palpation and the patient gets better. So that's prolotherapy. Another cool thing that dextrose does is it sits on the trip V1 receptor, which essentially winds down your pain. I've seen this on repeat. I would inject a patient and all their pain would be gone by the time they got off the table. And I think, well, that's because there's lidocaine in the solution because there usually is a little lidocaine because dextrose can feel heavy and dense and it doesn't always feel so great. It doesn't hurt terribly if you do it well, but it can be a bit uncomfortable for a minute. And so we use lidocaine to make the patient more comfortable, but the lidocaine would wear off and their pain would still be gone. This happened constantly. And I'm like, well, what's that all about? It can't be, regeneration doesn't occur that quickly. It was the dextrose. It was sitting on the trip V1 receptor and it was causing pain to wind down in, in a nutshell, which is pretty rad. So I'm a huge fan of Prolo. I think all patients going in for regenerative injection therapy should find a good prolotherapist first and foremost. I will say that the large majority of folks that I know that do stem cell and PRP procedures are not prolotherapists and they're not great prolotherapists. They maybe had like at best a weekend course in it and that's not how it goes. They use ultrasound to guide injections. They get sometimes, you know, probably phenomenal results and I'm not dogging them because I'm friends with them and I'm not dogging them. But it's a huge piece missing, in my opinion. It's a really hard skill set to learn because it requires excellent knowledge of anatomy and excellent palpation skills, which most doctors don't have, period. So most doctors who didn't spend a tremendous amount of time studying the, t- the subject of anatomy and then learning how to palpate it don't have that. So you come in, you say, my shoulder hurts. You're usually there. If you did find a prolotherapist, you're usually there because you've already gone the orthopedic route. You don't want surgery. You don't want cortisone, or maybe you've had those and it didn't work. And you already come in with a diagnosis, so they don't need to diagnose you. They just need to inject you. And even just shooting prolo solution around the joint, not even getting in the joint, well, it's still going to make an impact that's beneficial for most people. You may have heard of prolozone where they use ozone. That's just adding ozone on top of it. That can really, really help people quite a bit. And with absolutely pretty nil skill set from the doctor. (laughs) So I'm more concerned at that point with the doctor being aware of the landmines that they, you know, the pitfalls, the arteries and nerves and veins they don't want to be hitting. But 
it's still really, really effective for most people and it can and give lasting results. A step up from that would be PRP. So PRP is not a different technique. It's the same technique. It's injecting all the ligaments and tendons and intraarticularly, and it's just using a different solution in the syringe. That platelet-rich plasma, that PRP, is just the patient's own blood drawn out, concentrated down. We concentrate out the platelets. We get rid of the stuff we don't want. Platelets have several known growth factors that can be very, very effective for helping induce healing, and we shoot that back into the patient. Now, this matters because if the patient is a hot mess of health and their blood is you know, they're inflamed because they're metabolically unsound or they're obese or they have a poor diet or they smoke or they drink too much or whatever it is, or all of the above in most cases, if we concentrate out that hot mess of blood, inflamed blood, and we shoot it into the hot mess of an inflamed joint, it's going to be a real disaster. And I've seen this repeatedly, especially from doctors who take a weekend course in PRP. And then they go back to the office and do PRP. And it's like, they don't know prolo. They don't know musculoskeletal medicine. They don't know how to diagnose. They don't know any of it, but they're going to go do PRP, which I think is crazy. That's crazy. So I hope you're getting here that you need to vet out your practitioner. You need to ask them a lot of questions. I don't have a list of specific questions and I don't even know where to refer you to find a good practitioner because there's one website called getprolo.com. And while it was started by a very talented prolotherapist who's very skilled, anybody can pay to be on it. It costs like $500 a year or something to be on it and then they let you on. So who God only knows who's on there, right? If they can pay to be on there, then they're on there and that doesn't necessarily mean they're good. And in fact, I see people in Portland getting referrals who are terrible injection therapists and, but you know, their name comes up high on Google when you put a search in. So you've really got to do your homework. If you've followed me for any amount of time, you know that I'm constantly beating the drum on having optimal metabolic health, especially as we age, especially as we are walking into menopause and andropause. Hands down, my favorite biohacking device for this is the NutriSense Continuous Glucose Monitor Program. This program comes complete with an awesome app that shows you all the graphs, registered dietitians that are experts in helping you interpret that information, and they get how I suggest eating, like they get it. They're on the tip. There's a Facebook group for accountability and community and so much more. The NutriSense CGM program will help you make better lifestyle choices that may help you avoid chronic conditions down the line. 94% of Americans have busted metabolisms, guys. This is a problem. I've teamed up with NutriSense and they are generously giving listeners of the Dr. Tina show $30 off any subscription to any of their programs right now. Well, I highly suggest committing to three to six months of this. I myself do it quarterly. My metabolism is pretty dialed in. Even if you do it for a month, regardless, you get two monitors per month. They've got 14 days use on them. They're painless. They're easy to apply. You hardly know they're even there. Use the link in the show notes and use the coupon code Tina D-R-T-Y-N-A, to get $30 off your first subscription. I highly suggest you give this a try, especially if you're trying to make 2023, like I am, the hottest and happiest year yet. All right, so stepping up from that is stem cells. Now, the only way you're truly getting stem cells is if they extract it out of your body. So if they take your fat or they take your bone marrow and concentrate that down and inject it back into you, then you're getting stem cells. If it's any other technique, i.e. it comes out of a vial and they tell you, oh, it's amniotic, oh, it's this, oh, it's that, That's a lie. Those are not stem cells. Those are growth factors. And I talked about it in the last episode. There's no way that those substances, that those stem cells would be viable 
after they have been processed, sterilized, and put into a vial for your use and then frozen. I mean, you guys know what happens when you freeze something, right? You would kill it if it were alive. You're not getting stem cells. I know this is going to upset some people because people come back at me and say, I have a certificate. And I, if you look at it, it'll say mesenchymal stem cells. And then somewhere in small writing, it'll say growth factors. Those are not stem cells. You're not getting stem cells. Any doctor telling you that they're pulling something out of a vial and injecting it into you, that it's stem cells is a lie and you're being scammed. And unfortunately, most of the doctors don't even know this because the reps tell them it is. I had so many reps just lie to my face. I knew the truth and I would just basically bait them to see what they would say. And they were like, oh yeah, it's stem cells. It came from a placenta. It came from amniotic tissue. I'm like, those are not stem cells, yo. They're in a te- they're in a tube. They're in a vial. It's not. So unless someone actually lays you down and extracts your fat and does a harvest or extracts your bone marrow and does a harvest, you're not getting stem cells. There's also things called exosomes, which I think are super duper cool. And you're not, you're going to have a hard time finding doctors who do those, but I love them. And what they are is little packets that are agitated out of the uh, placenta and it's a donor. And the place that I use actually, the cool thing that I found out was that they have a 2019 pre-COVID placenta that they use. There's no concern over virus or, you know, vaccine or any of that. So exosomes are cool if you can find someone who can do them. Oftentimes a good regenerative doctor will pile all, stack all of these things, I should say. So often a patient would come in and I would start them with prolotherapy and then just to see how they would do, because I had to prime the area, it would get the stem cells that were there endogenously, their own natural supply to wake up. I'd get things to calm down. I'd get the pain and inflammation to calm down. And then I would come in with something bigger. Because if you come in hot with stem cells or PRP, especially if the patient's inflamed to start with, it's a disaster. It's just, they end up in so much pain. It's so much unnecessary pain. And I think inflammation that probably causes more significant tissue damage than necessary. And eventually they do all tend to get better. Not all, not 100%, but most tend to get better. But I think it's unnecessary to put them through that. If they flare with prolotherapy with low-dose dextrose, then they're definitely going to flare with something bigger. But most doctors don't know how to do prolotherapy. So when you go in, they're going to come straight at you with stem cells and they're going to charge you gobs of money. And I'll be just be truthful. Most doctors out there are way overcharged for this stuff. I'm sorry, they don't overcharge. They over they they overtreat you. They give you a much more vigorous balm of of a stack than you need. That's just what I've seen. It's I can't tell you how many times people said, Oh, I went to so and so, you know, the biggest stem cell doctor in town. And he told me he could do this, that, and the other. It's gonna be ten thousand dollars or twenty thousand. And I'm like, okay, well, let's try a three hundred dollar prolotherapy injection and see how you do. And lo and behold, they did awesome and they didn't need anything bigger, badder, or more expensive. So you've been warned. And just do your homework. All right. So I mentioned the doctors doing this work and how some have really, really phenomenal orthopedic and physical medicine skills and some do not at all, but they're still doing it. And it's up to you again to vet them out. Many just look under an ultrasound probe and shoot juice into the damaged tissues. But I'll tell you as someone, I'm a, I'm a great palpator. I, I pride myself in that. I'm a chiropractor. That's what we learned day one. All chiropractors are excellent with their hands. And some chiropractors have a secondary license. Chiropractors can't do injections in, in most every state, but some will have like a nurse practitioner license or I had a naturopathic doctor license in Oregon I could inject. So that's, and that's why I became a naturopath in the first place originally so I, that I could inject. If you see something under imaging that looks terrible, that does not necessarily mean it's the pain generator. 
and I've seen this time and time again. So I've seen really terrible looking tissue under ultrasound and that joint doesn't hurt at all. Or that region that looks terrible doesn't hurt at all. And conversely, I've seen things under ultrasound and MRI and x-ray that don't look like much of anything and it's it's causing tremendous pain. So I'm not a huge fan of relying on the image. Again, find yourself someone who can palpate. I think that will get you better results in the end. And then make sure that they can find the pain generator. I talked about how we want to centralize down the pain from this big sort of overarching, you know, cloak of pain, like say it was the neck, shoulder and shoulder blade and arm. And then as we treated it, it would become more and more specific. That's where we inject. We inject once we get that pain to wind back and to centralize into more specific regions that we can get our needle into safely. So that is somewhat contingent on how they go about treating you and how they do it in layers. We got to unwind this oftentimes. It's not just fly out, get shot up and good luck. That might be the case. You might have a cartilage ding inside your knee, something really specific that would be like a labral tear in a hip or a shoulder that would be really specific for that kind of one-shot wonder. But generally, this is not a one-shot wonder and you've got to peel back the layers a little bit all while making sure that the person is getting healthier and healthier and eating better and better as you go because what you eat and how you prepare the patient matters completely on how they're going to respond because all of these therapies are contingent on A, their own tissues being used, right? Whether it's blood, fat, or bone marrow, or in the case of prolotherapy, it's just sugar water, but it's really critical that this patient is in good healing mode and that they can heal well. Otherwise, none of these will work well. And that's not something I think a lot of doctors take into consideration. They'll take anybody in and they think they should or maybe they're greedy and love the money. But finding a doctor who's really picky and is going to vet out their patients, is that's an ethical doctor. And I highly encourage you to go that route. And if you get through the gauntlet, then good for you. And if you don't, then don't get mad at them. Just understand that they're doing the right thing for you. It's not ethical to treat you if they don't think you're going to heal. What's the point, right? We can hope and sure, will it help for a little while? Yeah, maybe, but it's really a bummer to get somebody out of pain for like a month and then have them just go back into it because their lifestyle and their health is such a disaster. So if you do find someone who's picky, I was really picky. If you find someone like that, don't get too mad at them. They're just trying to do the right thing by you and not scam you out of your money. But most doctors will be happy to scam you out of your money in this industry. And that's one of the reasons I got out was because the honestly, the regenerative medicine space was turning into a used car lot and it was grossing me out. So I bailed. And I really feel that most of those doctors way over treat because they don't have really good nuanced physical medicine skills. And so over-treating is the solution, right? Use more of everything and that way you'll get the patient better. But what if you were just really, really excellent at your job and you could use a lot less of everything? That's my that's my question that I had. So I just got out of it because I, was, I wasn't into it. So patient selection, good patient selection. I think I've covered it. You know, you've really got to, if you're, if you're, have, if you're really obese, you're walking around with an inflammatory suit on you. So your fat's going to be super inflamed. If they extract out your fat, that's super inflamed and pro-inflammatory and they concentrate it down and put it into your super inflamed joint, that's going to be trouble for you. And I don't know if that's the best solution. I do know that there's like a chicken and egg Problem here, though, that sometimes people are in so much pain or have such severe orthopedic conditions, they can't move, so they can't lose the weight. And that's a real pickle. And that's when we have to get serious about caloric restriction and doubling down on their diet. So there are ways to do this. And again, I highly encourage you to find somebody who's going to either help you with all of that or help get you um, connected and networked with the right practitioners to help you so that you can make the 
positive changes needed to have these therapeutics be effective for you because we don't want you spending $10,000 and then it not working. Because what happens, the patient blames the doctor, but the doctor blames the patient. But at the end of the day, the patient should have known better because they were a hot mess of health and the doctor shouldn't have picked a patient that was a bad candidate for these injections. But that's what keeps happening. Yes, there are potential pitfalls and your doctor will go over them with you. If you're being injected near the spine, of course, the risk goes up. If you're out on the extremities, you know, shoulders, hips, knees, feet, et cetera, you might hit a nerve. You're, you're not going to run the risk of really causing too much damage because you're not injecting cortisone. Cortisone injections actually melt tissues, like I said. And so if you were to have a nerve injected or a region injected with cortisone that wasn't real specific, you could have a lot of, you know, secondary damage done to the tissue surrounding. But with this stuff, it just heals. It all heals. So getting it in the wrong spot is fine. Now, we don't want them hitting any arteries or nerves or major, or major nerves, I should say. That doesn't feel good. We don't want them hitting arteries, big veins. But even if it were to go intravascular, uh, you're not going to die from it, usually. I mean, there's nothing in here that's contraindicated to going intravascular. We don't want that. We want it to go where it's supposed to go. So I do like the use of ultrasound and I would highly encourage you to find somebody who uses ultrasound as well, but make sure they're good with their palpation skills and orthopedic skills in their hands. And then you got the best of both worlds, right? And so I would always know what my diagnosis was before I went in and I would use the needle to guide me and to avoid any dangerous areas or and or to get real specific if I needed to, which can be very helpful in some regions like the feet or the hands. We like to get real specific in some little tiny nooks and crannies. And I think ultrasound is a the clear solution there. But that doesn't mean they need ultrasound to do, especially prolotherapy. If you find an old school prolotherapist and they just go fast and they don't need an ultrasound, I do think ultrasound on the spine is indicated, especially anywhere above L5. You know, L5 and down into the SI joints, not a big deal. But above that, I would encourage the use of ultrasound, of course, and find someone who can do that. But anything else on the body, I think is, you know, arms, legs, et cetera, it can be quite safe, especially in the hands of a skilled practitioner with good palpation skills. And then think about this too. We're starting to see a hybrid happen, a hybridization of orthopedic surgeons using regenerative injection therapies, which is super cool because if you've got a good, if you need surgery, you need surgery. And I get it. Go back and listen to the last episode of my thoughts around surgery. I'm not a fan of all of them. But if you need surgery, you need surgery. And can we make that region heal faster? Yes. A great example, my daughter had her wisdom teeth pulled. I made her PRP that morning. I drew her blood. I got her PRP concentrated and made. I brought it in a cooler. And right after they extracted the teeth, they squirted the PRP into the sockets and they closed like that. And he'd never used it before. And he was really cool to allow us to do that since I was her mom. But when I asked him after, what do you think? He was like, I have never seen anything heal that fast. That was phenomenal. So PRP is magic. And I think using it in conjunction with orthopedic surgery is phenomenal. I think one of the first uses for it was discovered, well, first off, they were using it, some women will get uh, mandibular necrosis, the mandible, the bone, the, the bottom jaw bone will 
become necrotic. And so they were using PRP to reverse that. And then they were using it in open heart surgery. So you crack open the sternum and the chest wall, and that can be a source, especially in unhealthy patients or patients who are struggling with obesity or inflammation, that can be a real source of infection. You get a bone infection in the in the chest wall bones. And so they were using it there. They would spray the platelet-rich plasma over the region before they closed and then after, and it would heal really fast. I've used it to heal up suture lines where I've had to have stitches or I've had burns or I've had abrasions and I'll use PRP to heal that up. I use it on the face. I mean, it's amazing stuff. It's liquid gold if you're healthy. Your your own platelet-rich plasma is gold if you're healthy. But what I'm seeing in the orthopedic community with some of these doctors is they are over-enriching the experience for patients, (laughs) meaning, yeah, we're going to do a full knee replacement and then we're going to shoot you up with stem cells and PRP during and then after which is cool. Will it help the patient heal faster? I bet absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say yes. Are they going to heal with less complications potentially? I'm going to say yes. Probably reduced risk of infection, probably improved speed, probably better, you know, tissue stitching up, healing. That said, I also see them being sold as overkill and I wonder every time cuz I know some of these folks who've had it done and I'm like, "Dude, I wonder if you just done the stem cells and PRP without the surgery, if your knee would have been fine." You know, because a lot of these folks were healthy and they got sold, they got oversold. It's like getting oversold on a car, getting oversold on a house. Like you get oversold into stuff. And so the surgeon will run your insurance to cover the surgery and all those parts and pieces, but then they'll charge you cash for all of the regenerative injection add ons. And so I just wonder if that person were to go to a more conservative practitioner and just have the add ons, right? I mean, the regenerative medicine part and just skip the, surgery if they could avoid surgery in the first place, which is what I, that's what I did for 10 years in practice was mainly keep people out of surgery. So it's just a thought. I think it's cool that it's being used in conjunction, but I keep hearing these stories that make me cringe because I'm like, dude, you're so young and vital and healthy and fit. I don't think you needed the surgery. I think you just needed the fancy injections with the supercharged stem cells that they pulled out of your bone marrow and your, you know, platelet rich plasma, but hey, to each his own. And we don't want to look back and I've gotten some emails since the last episode I did about orthopedic medicine being a scam. People really concerned about their cortisone injections thinking, oh my gosh, what have I done? And it's like, we we can't look back and guess. We can only move forward and do better, right? So patient selection matters though. It really, really does. If someone's really inflamed, again, poor diet, poor musculoskeletal health in general, like There's a big difference between somebody who's fit and healthy, lifts weights, gets sunlight, eats well, gets enough protein, has low body fat, is really active and moves a lot, and then they bang up their shoulder and they just need their shoulder fixed versus somebody who's got bone on bone knees that are melting under the pressure of the 400 pounds that they're carrying around. That is not a good candidate for regenerative injection therapies. Now, I know their knees hurt and they need it. And I got, I took a lot of shit from colleagues because I turned a lot of patients away. I turned more patients away than I accepted. And colleagues would get so mad at me and call me all kinds of names. I, you, you guys think that since COVID, I've been called some names. I, I'm used to this. <laughs> this is old hat. <laughs> they didn't like me for being ethical. And they're like, but they need it. I'm like, but it's not going to work. But they need it. You, you have to do it for them. I'm like, but it's not going to work. So what's the point? Why would I put somebody through that if it's not going to work? It's not going to hold. It might work. You know, I in the beginning of my career, I treated everybody who walked in the door and it would give them relief for like a month. But these treatments are expensive 
and they are not billable to insurance, like I've said. So this is coming out of a patient's pocket and I don't want to be unethical. So I picked my patients carefully and that's it. That is regenerative medicine in a nutshell. And I hope I just gave you all the high points. I don't want to belabor it. Find a doctor. I don't have a referral service for you. Again, I'm sorry. I wish I did. I don't. And I'm not able to, if you, if you guys email, we're not able to answer you individually about who to send you to. I don't make personal referrals, but you can be educated, more educated now, and you can be more armed with that information and have a better idea of what you're getting into. So when you do start calling around, you can start to ask better questions. You're going to have a harder time finding prolotherapists because a trend I noticed, I used to train naturopathic doctors in prolotherapy and I did so for a long time. And a trend I noticed is most doctors just wanted to jump straight into doing PRP and stem cells. And I'd be like, whoa, 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 back up. You need to do prolotherapy first and foremost because that's the base level. And ironically, it does such a fantastic job that most people would get out of pain with that. And if it didn't hold or it wasn't potent enough, then we could jump up to something stronger. But they were like, no, 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 I'll make more money if I do PRP and stem cells. So most doctors just jump straight to that, completely not knowing how to do prolotherapy in the first place. So you're going to have to call around and find some folks if you really are interested in that. I think that is the most phenomenal treatment. And a doctor who's good at prolo is worth their weight in gold. Underappreciated, undervalued, but worth their weight in gold. And you know what? You know they're not greed-based because Prolo doesn't pay out nearly as well as some of these other ones. So these are docs just doing it because they love it because they're good at it. That's the kind of doctor I was. That's what I did for a living. I did a lot of Prolo therapy and then I jumped up to these bigger therapies if needed. A doctor that's just trying to sell you stem cells right out the gate, I think oftentimes can be missing the boat. Not always, but oftentimes there's there's a disconnect there. Um, and then if you can find somebody who also does manual therapy, you know, they know how to adjust, they know how to use their hands, they know how to do physical medicine, you're really going to be in great hands that way. That's that's the best doctor you're going to find for this kind of stuff. That A doctor that understands all of it because one of my favorite doctors uh, in Bend, his name is Payson Flattery. He He's a DCND like me, a chiropractor and a naturopath. We were trained almost identically in the same schooling system, like around the same time. And uh, he will do manual therapies. It takes a lot longer. You make a lot less money as a doctor, but he'll do manual therapies first before he ever jumps to injections. And I think truly that's one of the more ethical ways you can go. So I hope this is helpful information. I will be back on part three. I'm going to talk to you all about imaging and what a complete scam imaging is because, man, they write this stuff to justify surgery. So I'm going to do a brief one on that. I'm going to couple it with how they uh, milk patients' Medicare. So we'll be back. If you guys like this episode, I really appreciate any feedback in the form of a review or you can rate, review, rate, and subscribe would be the ultimate trifecta on your favorite podcast player. That helps us get reach. It helps other people see it. And I, I appreciate all the reviews, even the bad ones. And then if you want information, or I mean, if you'd like to suggest information or podcast topics, you can do so at podcast at drtina.com. And we appreciate all of you for listening and being a part of this. We'll be back. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. 
This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. If you're looking to take back your health, it's time for you to listen to the Real Foodology podcast. From the producer of The Dr. Tina Show comes one of Apple Podcast's top 10 nutrition shows hosted by integrative nutritionist and real food activist Courtney Swan. The Real Foodology podcast is on a mission to change the way we eat. Courtney interviews doctors, food experts, health professionals, and nutrition pioneers to bring you the best info so you can thrive. Somewhere along the way, we lost sight of how impactful our food choices are. But it's never too late to start on the path of better health choices. You'd be so surprised how resilient our bodies are when we start taking care of them. Yes, it's overwhelming, but that's why Courtney's here to help. She breaks it down for you and makes the information more accessible so that you can make more informed decisions in the grocery aisle or restaurant. Listen to the Real Foodology podcast today on your favorite podcast app.